watch challenge on each episode we challenge ourselves to find and watch a film of a particular type and then report back the results to each other and you find listeners my name is mike went and i'm aaron spears this episode's listener suggested challenge was time travel films it was submitted by listener sarah and uh Sarah, you picked a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Um, yeah. I don't know why this actually wasn't one of like the first few topics we picked, Mike. Um, <laughs> no, I know. It should have been. <laughs> it really should have been. I think we have to do a little bit of discussion about this sort of the way we did with our Midnight Movies uh, episode where we're saying, you know, okay, Midnight Movies, there's a big shadow over that whole topic oh, yeah. of Rocky Horror Picture Show, right? I think there's an equal shadow on this one, Mike. Oh, Yeah. Should we should we say it on the, the yeah? I guess we just got to get out of the way. So we are not going to be picking Back to the Future, <laughs> but it is a film that is near and dear to both of our hearts. Um, actually, this is going to date me a little bit. Back to the Future is the movie that got me into movies in the first place. That's amazing. Um, I didn't see it in the theater at the time, but in the late '80s, uh, my parents got cable, and uh, as a kid, I was like, finally. Um, I think we've noted on the show before, Mike, you, we have a division between us where you were a kid who grew up with HBO and I'm the one who didn't, right? Yes. Okay. So I got to really enjoy the free, uh, HBO preview weekend (laughs) when that would come around and you get the booklet in the mail and I would highlight all the movies. And once we had a VCR too, I would just record everything. Um, so even overnight, so I could, uh, watch it then, but that's where I first saw back to the future. And I was like, holy shit, you can do this with a movie. You can just transport my brain for an hour and 56 minutes and wow like i was hooked after that mainly on movies in general but obviously the time travel element and everything was just like holy shit this is great i need more of this i went more down a michael j fox path uh at that point in time not necessarily time travel but um (laughs) that is one like it's it's interesting even as i've grown up in age two where i was like there's something just very intriguing about this topic that um, I mean, we'll kind of get into the the nitty gritty here a little bit, kind of defining this genre. But what about time travel really grabs your attention? Or do you want uh, any any other Back to the Future comments first? Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, Back to the Future is one of my comfort movies, um, you know, especially during during the pen, the early days of the pandemic. Um, I found that a lot of times if there was nothing else to watch there, whatever streaming service you know, I, I think it was Netflix or something that had it for a while. Uh, but, you know, I probably logged it, uh, <laughs> you know, three or four times during the pandemic. And it, you know, it, it always just puts a smile on my face just because I, I the, the cleverness of that of that script. Yes. To me is the best thing. Now, sometimes the sequels are they are divisive. And, <laughs> and sometimes even in my it's like some days like I love part two and some days I'm just like, well, part two is kind of weird, but yep. <laughs> um, it, it, it goes a little off the edge and, and three kind of like, I think redeems it, but um, I'm not saying anything bad about two, but <laughs> not as sharp as one. Right. Right. You know, you're right. The, the script specifically, like there's just not an inch of fat on that story. Like everything yeah. has a, is a place and it just fits a perfect puzzle. As a fellow VHS collector, Mike, I was just at a, um, a used shop and they had back to the future three on VHS, Ooh. which I do not own on VHS, but it was $7. 
<laughs> and for some reason, that was a line for me. I was like, that's too much. Like, I, I, I'm already regretting it. I may go back and just grab it after work tomorrow. <laughs> uh, like I had this limit with use with, with VHS and I was like, I don't know, for some reason, if it was one, obviously, you know, I don't care. I, I think actually I, I spent about 20 bucks for my VHS copy of Back to the Future 1 at a uh, antique shop a while ago. But I was like, who cares? I don't care. It's part one. <laughs> I'm buying it. But so I, so to me, within this genre of time travel films, there's subgenres. And I think it's probably just because I've sure. dove so deep into this well before. <laughs> um, so I've got a, a few. Hey, let, let's try it like a quiz style here, Mike. How about that? I have sure. a few subgenres written out. See if you can come up with examples uh, for okay. these. All right. So uh, one of them would be like the apocalypse time travel movie. Sure. Uh, apocalypse time travel movie. I may have, I may have named these improperly to get your, your brain going here, but this is how I had, <laughs> I had named them at least. <laughs> um, oh gosh. Uh, why can't, uh... all right. So here as a warm up. Uh, this one was like Terminator two, 12 monkeys. Oh, okay. You're trying yeah. to avert the apocalypse, I guess, via time. Travel. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, another one was like the time loop storyline. Right. So you got like a, a Groundhog Day. Right. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow, that kind of stuff. Yes. Right. I haven't seen Looper in a while. Does that, I don't know if that one fits. Yeah. I, I would, I would definitely say that that one fits. Okay. I remember that that's one that grew on me on subsequent viewings. I think the mm-hmm. first time I saw it, I, 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 I'll be honest. I wasn't the biggest fan. Um, I, you know, it was like I had the same reaction. I was sort of like so-so on that one, and I really like Ryan Johnson's stuff. But I think um, it was one that it was. You know, th- there's always these films that sometimes get so hyped by uh, the nerd critics. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Twitter. you know, like the ones who like don't really write for legit websites or something, and you know, it's like, oh, you got to see this, and yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's ones that deal specifically with like paradox. I think kind of Back to the Future, like we were just saying, is like, oh crap, sure. my mom's falling in love with me. This is I'm not going to be bored now. Uh, there's also horror ones. Hmm. Um, right. I was thinking like Event Horizon. Oh yeah, yeah. Kind of style, one. or um, I mean, it's a terrible movie, but Cloverfield Paradox. Yes. Kind of treads in that that a little bit. There's also just general comedy ones. I was thinking like Hot Tub Time Machine. Yeah, um, Palm Springs is, I think, is uh, that's more of a recent one that that's almost like it's the same. It's kind of like the you, you got a little bit of the Groundhog Day, but it's definitely you know it has all these comedic elements. It's it's very entertaining if if you get it get the shot to yeah uh, to check that one out. Um, so then there's another one that I think maybe is time travel adjacent, and that would be the I, I said like the. Um, the frozen in time genre. So like mm. a uh, Encino man or blast from the past, which now that I'm saying it out loud, those are both Brendan Fraser movies. I think <laughs> <laughs> um, we're like, you know, you take somebody from one era and you don't time travel them, but like they, you know, reemerge or come about in a, in a future time. And like, what, what's going on? Yes. There's another one. Actually, I don't know if this is a subgenre or not, but like sort of voluntary time travel versus forced time travel. We're like groundhog day. He's stuck in that loop. Yeah. So that's like a forced time travel versus like voluntary where you're like, like Bill and Ted, like, like, fuck yeah, let's go time travel kind of thing. Yeah. Or, or kind of like minority report uh, a little bit where mm. he's able to see into the future oh, because yeah. that helps him solve the mystery or solve the, the cases or. Yeah. The, the pre-crime. Yeah. 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 I, mean, I don't even know. I don't know. There's so many 
genre, subgenres and ways you can go with it. Like, cause maybe somebody may not even seem that, see that as a time travel movie, but he is kind of, he's yeah. foreshadowing a lot of things. Yeah. He sees it as it's a, about to happen. So I think it's a time travel. Movie. I, I have a pretty liberal definition of time travel, which we'll see with one of my honorable mentions, but um, <laughs> no, I definitely um, uh, see what you mean there too. I was also debating sort of like body swap movies mm. tread okay. a little bit yes. into time travel territory. Yeah, like I the Freaky Friday or right, uh, right, or vice um, versa, <laughs> or which one? <laughs> vice versa, which yes. is probably a, a deep dive into the the body swap thing. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, not considered one of the better ones. But uh, no, we're not talking about quality. We're talking about concept right here. It so just that, used that, to be on TV all the time when works. I was a kid. <laughs> oh, is that another HBO one? Uh, that was like that was like a a local channel forty three. Uh, you know noon saturday oh yeah <laughs> yeah the saturday afternoon ones yes um and then i had not realized it until right now but you know who gets their own their, a person an actor gets their own specific subgenre here within time travel and that's rachel mcadams oh my god yes so she's got about time she's got the time traveler's wife she's got midnight in paris and she's got now dr strange yeah oh yeah i need yeah kind of again the time travel adjacent maybe but still kind of kind of in the in the mix there yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, there's there's so many options here. She might show up in one of my. Mm, okay. Well, That's we'll just point. move right on then. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, w- w- with all these multiple kind of subgenre elements at play here, too, is there something that you specifically need to look for or that really grabs you in time travel movies? Like, does it have to have a time travel device in it? Or, like, does the moral dilemma really grab you? Or what, what speaks to you within this genre? Well, I'll say. When when looking for this, I was I was initially trying to find something that was a little bit older, um, but I ended up I more ended up going pretty modern with 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 these with these selections, and it, it, it's nothing against the older ones. It's just uh, I don't know. I I wanted something kind of light, kind of fun. Sure. Um, with 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 my pick so so yeah i um i didn't really ha- have a specific kind of uh, time travel thing that i was going with it was just kind of scrolling through you know the handy dandy uh imdb lists that, mm-hmm. that tend to be out there and uh that that's kind of the route i went and you know i was just kind of I, I needed something kind of fun for for some of these it's interesting you mentioned that because I, I was also like looking through some lists and then I thought, you know, that's got to be like a genre tag on Wikipedia. Yeah. And I ended up finding uh, an interesting list that was just like a list of all time travel films. Yeah. Which is kind of a little unwieldy to go through. But I hadn't really kind of registered it until you mentioned that it, it definitely there are some early ones like you can go all the way back to I think the first one listed was like a. Uh, Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court or whatever that title is, the Mark Twain adaptation. So like very early on, but based on a a previously existing uh, story that was already there. But the bulk of it is the modern era. Like there's just not a lot of time travel movies from like the 40s and 50s Um, or even, you know, more recent than that, I guess. But like, yeah, the bulk of it is a lot more modern. So it's interesting how that concept became more and more interesting uh, kind of in the modern era for modern audiences versus like catching the imagination earlier on in cinema history. Yeah. I, you know, I kind of wonder in, 
in like literature, was there like a certain time period when, when those were, when that was kind of introduced, like maybe when, with the advent of comic books coming in and then that and probably lent itself to film because around the same time, maybe like in the fifties and sixties, you know, kind of, that's a good point, but but I don't know, but, but I'm sure there's somebody will probably comment like, you know, idiot, (laughs) you know, time travel has been in things for a lot longer than that, but I I don't know. But like, but yeah, I mean, I was, like I said, I was, trying to aim towards, you know, trying to expand my cinematic, uh, yeah. Yeah. To to have older stuff involved, but, uh, but no, I, I just (laughs) coming back to this, this current decade or, or slightly after. Right. Right. Um, well, 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 what grabbed you there, Mike? What are any uh, honorable mentions you want to shout out? Well, I will. Okay. So this one, it is a little bit older, but, uh, one of the, ones was Peggy Sue got married. Um, so, which was, uh, you know, and I think, uh, Francis Ford Coppola had, you know, he of course had an amazing 1970s probably, you know, made, you know, at least, I mean, there's three masterpieces of Godfather, Godfather two, apocalypse now conversation. Yes. Oh, four. Yeah. Yeah. He was on a, he was on a tear. (laughs) Yes. And the eighties were not, not the best for, for him, but uh, I thought this was, this is a very unique film. It, it features uh, Kathleen Turner as basically a woman who um, is on the verge of getting divorced. And um, she, uh, basically you know is at like kind of this uh reunion and she has this time travel back when she is in high school and um nicholas cage is her is her boyfriend who eventually becomes her husband uh but uh yeah i mean it's a very interesting movie you know it's kind of it's like i guess it's it's blending like comedy and drama um Mm. it's one of those ones that was also uh, I used to see a lot on HBO uh, back, in, <laughs> back in the day, so I would catch it at probably various points. But uh, I don't know. I, I thought like the performances, especially by Kathleen Turner, uh, mm-hmm. are, are super strong. And it's just it shows once again. I mean, maybe one of these days, if there if we have a Francis Ford Coppola episode, we just talk about his eighties uh, output, which was like you know, range from, you know, you have, uh, like, uh, the movie about the cars, uh, like, uh, a Turner and man is dream, I think is the, Oh, uh, Tucker, Tucker. Yeah. Tucker, yeah. You know, which, yeah. Which I think that, that one's a pretty good one. And, and the cotton club is interesting, but then you have something like one from the heart, which is like this, like really notoriously bad, like musical. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, I, I highly suggested it if you've never seen it. Like I think Jim Carrey has one of his very first uh, film roles in that as well. It's uh, and it's it's very it's very much in the I guess the subgenre of travels back. And but at the very end of the movie, not to spoil it, but uh, you know it's like it, she kind of it's it's all kind of a figment of her imagination. So it it's. Not quite body swap because she's in the same, but she travels within her own body, but back in time. 
Correct. Okay. She, no. she goes back basically to like the fifties. Okay. Uh, you know, or, or late fifties, early sixties. I, so I have not seen this one and I definitely um, am going to put it top of my list now because I just, I did not realize there was a kind of time travel element to it. Um, yeah. I just knew it as like that, that one of those eighties movies from Francis for Coppola that I just had always avoided uh, for no good reason. <laughs> other than it was like, I think it's like a romantic comedy with Kathleen Turner and Nicolas Cage. And I not, that my interest is not peaked. That hook, though, that plot definitely hooks me, though. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know she she was nominated for uh, best actress Oscar for it, and and rightfully so. Nice. I mean, it, like she has, you know, she's an actress who over the last several years, it's like you don't really see her much anymore, right? And it's like when you look back on something like this. I think it just shows like how good she was. Um, yeah. And, I, I mean, probably still is, but um, she just doesn't maybe because of her age and I don't know, she kind of like, she definitely doesn't look, she's not in the same shape as she was <laughs> in the eighties. So like, you know, it doesn't seem like she's getting as much work, but. Uh, well, and also if she is choosing not to work as much on her own, or it's that whole thing with Hollywood where like, well, once you hit a certain age for, more often than not for women than for male actors, but it happens to male actors as well. It's like, well, you're not fitting a type, so you're not getting parts anymore. Yeah, so. exactly. She can at least play a grandma or something. <laughs> sure. I mean, you got talent, you got talent. You just got to find the right, uh, find the right spots there. <laughs> uh, any, uh, any um, choices from you? Yeah, I got a couple here. Um, I'll kind of go back and forth, but I, I guess before I do my honorable mentions, I did want to make a quick little caveat that sure. I did have a couple. I really, really, really wanted to pick. Yeah. But with this particular topic, it could ruin the experience of watching a movie. Yeah. If the reveal at the end has a time element to it or a time travel element to it, if that makes sense. Sure. So I was thinking like, I do want to mention these on the show at some point. So I guess maybe this is a future spoiler <laughs> for, <laughs> for an episode away down the line of like, you know, uh twist endings or something, you know, I would use a couple of these because you're going along and, and they were really interesting movies. And then by the, like, I'm talking about this one movie in particular, within the last five minutes, you're like, oh shit, it's a time travel movie. And I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. And it was a really good movie up to that point. But then with that hook, you're like, oh my God. Like, I mean, like a M. Night Shyamalan kind of reveal where like it it makes you rethink the whole movie. So we'll get to some of those eventually. But what I ended up going with my honorable mentions were a couple of movies that are extremely, extremely low budget movies that kind of made me think, you know, we could have been making time travel movies early on in Hollywood when budgets weren't as crazy because you don't yeah. need a huge budget to do like, you know, giant science fiction special effects. First one I want to shout out is uh, Primer. Yes. Primer would have been my main yeah. pick, but in doing some research for the show, I was like, oh, Primer's got a good cult life on the internet. If you're looking for time travel movies, it is top recommended with just a quick Google search. It yeah. pops up now. So thumbs up to uh, folks that have been championing that movie for a long time. 2004 movie, Primer, written, directed, produced, starring, edited, and music composed by uh, Shane Carruth. He's only done a few movies, which I would highly recommend seeing anything that he's yeah. done. He did this movie on a budget of $7,000. So true auteur. Uh, yeah. It was in control of everything here. And it's it's stellar. It 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 was shot in like five weeks. Um, I th- if I remember correctly, I feel like he also said that he had like a five person crew. So yeah. like nobody with a cell phone right now has any excuse to not make a movie. Like get creative, <laughs> get going. 
I love this one because it really gets into the nitty gritty of like the tech of time travel in like the first third ish of the movie. And I'll be like, I've seen this movie at least uh, like a dozen times or so probably, but I don't know what they're talking about. And I don't (laughs) think, and and I've, I've heard some people were turned off by it because they're like, I don't even understand what they're talking about right now. I, to me, it's not the point that I understand all the tech mumbo jumbo that they're talking about. It's the fact that they sell it, that they know what they're talking about. Yeah. And so I don't need all the ins and outs of how they built the thing, but like they have the passion for it and they're communicating it and they clearly understand what's going on. But it also involves like um, the paradox level, right? Like we were talking about with Back to the Future, where they yeah. create basically a, um, I guess you would call it a coffin, right? Kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah. These boxes that are in a storage unit that the two main characters crawl into, and or they 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 turn on at the beginning of the day, and then they go to a hotel room to stay just out of anyone's way. They do not interact with the world at all, and then at the end of the day, they crawl into the box, and that creates a loop where now they have a second copy of themselves that can go out and about throughout the day, um, coming out of the box. I think I'm describing this right. Anyway, <laughs> it's this great kind of loop of a story. And that you realize it gets more and more complex as it goes. And they're trying to like, well, we'll look up stock prices this day while we're in the hotel. And then we can invest money. We can get rich. And so there's all these kind of things that they're playing with when you're in a voluntary time loop, kind of similar to Groundhog Day, where he's in an involuntary time loop and doesn't know how to get out of it. They're in a voluntary time loop and how complicated that can get. Anyway, I I dig that one a lot. So I I want to highlight that as a mention, even though it wasn't like my main pick. But uh, if you haven't seen that one, watch it immediately. I, uh, you know, I'm just going to add real quick. uh, I remember his follow up movie or uh, Upstream Color is is another one. It's like it doesn't relate to this particular episode, but it just that's another movie that he made for, you know, a slightly higher budget, but still way low, uh, (laughs) you know, as compared to anything else. And it, it was a movie that at the time when I saw it, you know, with friends, it was like, we had so many like deep conversations about it. Even if we didn't fully understand everything that, that guy, you know, I mean, I I hope at some point he, he does get a a budget and he can make something super huge, but maybe he prefers to make them that low, you know? Yeah. I feel like he's got, he really likes that personal touch and wants to just be full, like almost Kubrick level to me is what the impression I get seeing interviews with him where he wants control of every element of the movie. And sometimes the best way to do that is to like not work with a huge budget and have people expecting things from you or wanting control (laughs) over you. So yeah. Well, what else you got for honorable mentions, Mike? I'm going to go with uh, one that, that was a little more recent and it almost, it, it reminded me when I, I remember seeing it, um, in the theater and being blown away by it, um, Source Code, which uh, came out in 2011, directed by Duncan Jones, who is uh, AKA um, David Bowie's son. Oh, that's uh, right. And he uh, actually I, he went to a college here in uh, Ohio. Um, I can't remember which one, but. Uh, it was, you know, College of Wooster, actually. Oh, interesting. Okay. But uh, but Source Code is very much, it reminded me of Minority Report, um, in which uh, you have Jake Gyllenhaal basically is this uh, army captain who he sent into this digital recreation of a real-life train explosion where he has to determine who 
the terrorist who bombed it. So he based, you know, like he's going through this, this train crash, like over and over and over again. And it's, it's a really compelling, just like as it kind of unfolds and, you know, you as the viewer are trying to like, you think, you know who it's going to be, but then like, there's kind of a, you know, there's some twists and turns Mm -hmm. as the movie goes along. It's a, it's a really cool, uh, sub sub genre of the time time thing where you know he's kind of going in this loop and i i think uh i i don't know if duncan jones like it doesn't seem like he's had much lately because he put out uh a warcraft movie that was uh, i saw that <laughs> was kind of rough uh yeah <laughs> but uh but i i honestly think he's uh He's a very talented guy because I I loved his first or one of his first movies, Moon. Yeah, um, yeah. With um, Sam Rockwell, I hope uh, you know we get to see something from him again pretty soon. But uh, maybe that that Warcraft stink <laughs> hard to to shake a little bit. He did one after Warcraft two called Mute that I think was one of those went right oh, to streaming okay. and no one really talked about it, including myself because I haven't seen it. Yeah. That if I remember was like a sci-fi, like he seems really interested in taking like what we, what you would call like the, you know, that high concept sci-fi idea and like yeah. really like exploring that. Cause moon is that way. Source codes that way. And I, I, I got the impression, at least from the trailer, or some reviews I read at the time that mute was kind of similar too. So maybe Warcraft is the ah, exception I, in his career. Yeah. I see it's, it was a Netflix. So it's okay. probably, probably one of those movies that, um, was put out there with little to no fanfare yep. and sits on the sits on. on <laughs> we need to come up with a topic, um, like a phrase for that, that we can use to, to drop in and do shows about that every now and then, like, you know, lost in the stream or something. Yeah. I don't know. Cause I was like, there's so many times where it's a director or an actor or some, or a writer that I really enjoy. I'm like, wait, 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 I can watch that right now. When this came out a year ago, how did I never hear about this? You've been flicked. I've been, oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, another one, it doesn't quite fall in the you've been flicked category, but um, it was one that kind of, it just, I mean, similar to Primer. Primer did have a theatrical release in 2004, maybe it was into 2005, I forget which year. I didn't end up seeing it in the theater at the time when it came out, but it was, you know, it's a time period when like, you know, art house releases were a thing. And if you caught enough uh, attention, you got to get enough word of mouth, then, you know, maybe you would catch on. You have a little indie mm-hmm. hit going on your hands here. Primer was not one of those. Uh, like I mentioned, made for seven thousand, uh, grossed I think like eight hundred thousand. The other film I want to give an honorable mention to is Coherence from two thousand thirteen. Mm. This one was made on a a, a, a much larger budget of fifty thousand um, dollars, but it only grossed a hundred thousand when it came out in the theater. So I feel like this one was just one of those. Just it didn't quite um, catch on with audiences when it came out. Um, it's written and directed, and I think also produced by James Ward Burkrit. It was his directorial debut. And if you want to, I mean, this is my honorable mention, so I don't want to do a deep dive into it or anything. But if you want to read sure. up on the development of this one, it's really fascinating. It was a lot of um, actors he was improving with. And I think it was like his house. <laughs> and it just sort of like, they just kind of kept building and building and building the story. And this is also one, too, I'm going to be very careful how I describe it, because I don't want to get into spoiler territory at all, because this is one of those since you know a hundred thousand dollars worth of people saw it in theaters people have not seen it um and i don't want to ruin the experience of seeing it um it's free on canopy right now um so if you want to stream it there without any commercial interruptions um it's ready to go 
I'm just going to give you maybe like stuff about the first 10, 15 minutes of it. It's uh, a group that's gathering together for a dinner, a dinner with friends. There's a little bit of tension that's, that's, you know, pretty obvious right away. And so that's its own human drama thing going on. Meanwhile, up in the sky, this comet is passing by. And so as this comet passes by, and this is where the time travel element gets in, it fractures it fractures time for everybody where they realize that a house down the street has copies of themselves mm. in it. So as you can imagine, you could do that with a low budget pretty easy. There's no big tech involved. It's just like the power goes out and then all of a sudden they're like, what's going on? Oh, that house over there has power. And they peek and somebody peeks in the window. They're like, oh crap, is that is that us? And, yeah. and, and it's really... It, it, very down to earth in the way that the characters deal with it. Cause somebody in the group's like, get the fuck out of here. No, it's not. What are you talking? And they have to go through this whole thing and slowly realize what's going on. And they realize, um, okay, wait, how, are we affecting each other? And then that house comes to visit them and they get free. Like, so there's a lot of possibilities as you can imagine there. It's, it's really kind of fascinating the way that um, it kind of opens the door for maybe more of like a multiverse kind of idea i think yeah. it more is time travel though because as you get to know the characters and this is not a spoiler to it but as you get to know the characters you realize different decisions were made like it's all, it's a different timeline of decisions in one house versus another house interesting and so you have characters at different stages of their life making different decisions if you watch this movie and i would highly recommend it if you're into time travel stuff watch how the movie uses hard cut to blacks throughout the movie so like there's normal editing going on it's very handheld camera style and it's just intriguing every few minutes you're just like another new thing pops up you're like oh my god that's fascinating what are they going to do with that but it's interesting how the movie cuts to black at certain times to mark uh time i'll just kind of leave yeah. it at that but um the cuts mean something i do remember that was uh talked about at the the cleveland film festival a couple years ago mm-hmm. uh being like one of the the standouts and didn't get to see it. So I'm now going to seek it out. Yes. Yes. Definitely seek that one out. Um, Any other honorable mentions, Mike? No, no. What, what did you end up picking? Oh, cool. So uh, I went back a little bit and actually this one I discovered going through that long ass Wikipedia list. As soon as I saw the title, I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. That's my pick. (laughs) It is the movie run Lola run. From mm. 1998. So also gives us a little uh, international perspective as well. It's a German film um, directed by Tom Tickfer. I think I have the pronunciation right there because I'm not great with the German W's and V's yeah, uh, or Y's and V's and stuff in there. Uh, it stars uh, Franca Patente, who I'm probably mispronouncing her her name. <laughs> um, kind of her breakout role on the, on the international scene. She would end up coming to Hollywood and making some uh, Hollywood films as well. This is another one too. I don't want to do too much as far as spoilers go, but this is another one of those. Um, I would say it's got a time loop is going on for sure. Let me just okay. Let me just do the the, the quick initial setup. Does not spoil anything. It's it's uh, Frank. Uh, she plays the titular Lola. She's dating Manny. He's a bag man in. Um, I think it's in 
Berlin. It might be an unnamed city. I'm not actually remembering the city, but you know, let's we'll say it's Berlin. It's a major city. He's a bag man. He has to deliver 100,000 Deutschmarks to um, his boss. He frantically calls her, and on the phone, he explains that while riding on the subway to drop off the money, he fled when he saw like cops, and he left the bag behind, and he saw a homeless man going through the bag or grabbed the bag or whatever. He's like, I'm fucked. You know, I have to deliver this 100,000 <laughs> Deutschmarks. And he, Manny, his plan is like, I'm just going to go rob a bank because this guy's going to kill me in 20 minutes if I don't get him his money. <laughs> and so Lola hangs up the phone. She's like, shit. So she runs out to go join Manny. And she goes, we go through one entire scenario where at the end of it, she is killed. And then she wakes up and she's on the phone and Manny just told her that whole story again. And the whole thing plays out again. And so throughout the movie, we go through this loop. So it's kind of one of those like time loop, Groundhog Day style things. But it's fascinating the way that Tom Tickford put this movie together where there's like one sequence is is animated, uh, Lola, and she, it's all frantic. This movie's 80 minutes. It feels like it's 20 minutes. It is. It moves at a clip. And it deals with kind of that idea of um, the butterfly effect. Yes. Kind of chaos theory where because she makes a little bit of a different decision on the second run through the day – all this other stuff changes. And then as she goes through it, another, you know, so you can see how as, as it, as it repeats, you see all these different little fractured narratives. And as it's even down to the level where she passes like a woman on the street, she just bumps into her, the director, then instead he cuts away to like five or six uh, photos of what that woman's life is like, because Lola bumped into her versus in another scenario, she talks to her another bunch of photos showing how that expands. So it gives you this kind of expanded universe too of what the different, even tiny little interactions do to all the other people's lives. And that sounds very sprawling, which again, it's like, it's 80 minutes. It's like this movie, you blink and you miss it. Kind of, yeah, kind no, of zero. Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's also interesting because it deals with, as I, as I think great time travel movies do kind of free will and your own choices, or is everything deterministic and going to happen no matter what you do? This movie, I think, kind of straddles that in an interesting way because some stuff she just just can't avoid happening and some stuff, because she's there early or late at different times, happens differently. So that kind of has that deterministic quality versus like she's also making decisions and she has memory of what happened on the first go through. You know what I mean? Like that Groundhog Day thing where Bill Murray is accumulating memories, even though everybody else is living the same day, doing the same exact thing over and over again. So this one, um, highly, highly, highly recommend. I apologize. I didn't check to see if it was streaming anywhere before we um, uh, recorded. I just went and revisited my DVD copy of it. Um, (laughs) But this came out in 98. It was a huge, huge hit made on a huge budget compared to my other ones of like about $2 million over in Germany and made, uh, I think, 20, 25 million worldwide. I remember um, seeing it at the uh, local art house when I was in college. And like it was just all of the talk of the film department was uh, we got to go see Run Little Run again and again. And it was also that time period, which I, you probably remember this, Mike, late 90s, the the trailers were hiding the fact that it was a foreign film. Yes. And this yeah. was one of those two where like, it's just the pulsing music. And I think it was even titles on screen. I don't think it was even a voiceover narration. And just it was like, oh, it's this, it's, it's this action kind of um, uh, kind of frantic, almost gangster movie because like they have to rob a bank, they have to rob a grocery. Like it's all the action scenes of it uh, put together to pulsing, you know, late 90s kind of club music. Uh, hiding the fact that it's foreign, but also there's not a ton of dialogue either uh, for this movie. And I feel like people listening to this podcast probably aren't scared of a foreign film. So, yeah, no, I think it, it was like that, that kind of magical time of 
uh, independent films, like the independent kind of uh, film explosion of the the nineties, like mm-hmm. mid to late nineties, and and like I remember seeing certain ads for it on MTV, and oh, that'd be perfect uh, for MTV, yeah, yeah. But but you're right, it it, it was like you would just have thought like, Oh, like this is like, you know, there doesn't seem to be a lot of dialogue. Right. Right. Oh, it's an action movie. (laughs) (laughs) But the music is what kind of made it pumping, you know? (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Hmm. And I hadn't really thought about it as a time travel movie until looking into this episode, which is why when I saw the title, I was like, Oh, that's my pick. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Totally fits, uh, fits with this. So what's your, what's your official pick, Mike? What did you have for uh, time travel films? So mine, um, I, I did go the Rachel McAdams route. Um, I've never seen until, you know, until this episode, uh, about time from, uh, 2013. My name is Tim. And this is the year that would change my life forever. Happy new year. I just didn't know it yet. My dear son, this is going to sound strange, but there's this family secret that the men in the family can travel in time. This is such a weird joke. It's not a joke. If it's true, which it isn't. Although it is. But if it was, which it's not. Which it is. How would I actually... You go into a dark place, clench your fists, think of the moment you're going to, and you'll find yourself there. complicated year it's going to be a complicated life for me it was always going to be all about love i'm tim i'm mary it's my mother's name i remind you of your mother obviously i should have thought this through more could you give me one second i'm tim i'm mary i love your eyes do you? I love the rest of your face too. I haven't even looked further down, but I'm sure it's all fantastic. I'm sure it'll be better next time. Well done. Some people make a real mess of it the first time. Oh, amateurs. Some days you want to relive forever. Will you marry me? I think I'll go for yes. Some days you only want to live once. I am so uninterested in a life without your father. It never occurred to me that I might lose you. I never said you could fix everything. Not without consequences. It's so good to see you. We've never met before. It, it's a favorite of my... Uh, of, I, I have three sisters. It's a favorite of my, my siblings. And mm-hmm. they've, I think they've, they've asked me if I've watched it before and I... You know, I was always nah, eh, I'm not not that interested. <laughs> but uh, this movie, it's directed by Richard Curtis, who I feel like as a filmmaker is one of the more. I, I hate to say he's not cool, but like you know, it's like he makes these movies that are kind of feel good romantic comedies. You know, it's like yeah. it's definitely you know, it's the anti. <laughs> run Lola run Lola. <laughs> that's like the definition of cool and right like, right right somebody like us like us like kind of hipster movie watchers like we'll see the trailer for about time and you're like eh, i can probably skip that um, but, <laughs> well, in, my, in my head he's the love actually guy and i really yeah. hate that movie i mean if you right. love it that's great <laughs> enjoy your movie but i hate that movie <laughs> yeah he, he is the love actually guy. he yeah. also wrote uh yesterday which was uh oh kind of another clever ish you know he he's like that quintessential british 
kind of writes these things with Hugh Grant usually. (laughs) 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 But this one, I actually found it, at least at the beginning, I found it to be pretty charming. And uh, the basic premise is uh, you have this, uh, this young guy played by Dom Hill Gleason, who is uh, Brandon Gleason's son. He, he was in the newer Star Wars movies and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it, on his 21st birthday, his dad reveals to him that the men in the family have the ability to time travel. What they have to do is go into a closet or a dark room or, or like a, a small space and they, they clench their fists and they're able to say if something doesn't go right – they can have the ability to do it over again. It's like at the beginning of the film, it's, uh, you know, he goes to college and he really wants to, to have a girlfriend. He has this like very, this playwright of a, of a roommate who's kind of a, a prick. <laughs> he, it's like he wants to appease the roommate, but on the same night, he also meets uh, Rachel McAdams and, um, you know, he kind of messes up his timeline at first because he wants to he wants to like appease his roommate, but then learns that he he has to figure out how to get the girl. And it's like once he gets the girl, it kind of loses a lot of the conflict of the movie uh, okay. and where, you know, our stalwart of Back to the Future when when you make changes, it has this ripple effect on on the rest of time, you know, okay, yeah. uh, where this movie, it, it's like, it's always a convenient thing. So like it kind of, the rules kind of change in the, in the concept of the script where he, he gets his way and it doesn't really have, it, it's not one of the time travel movies where if he makes this decision or whatever, it doesn't really have like big, uh, consequences, I, I guess I'm saying. Okay. But like I said, for the most most of the runtime, until about like maybe about 40 minutes left, I I did find it to be a pretty charming movie. I the the man who plays his father, Bill Nighy, I think is just one of those. Whenever you see him in a particularly like a Richard Curtis movie, mm-hmm. like a pirate radio or something, you know, he's just like this, like super cool dude. Um, well, even in love, actually he's yeah, exactly. Cool dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like here, he's like this, like charming father and yeah. figure and everything. And like when he's in it, the, the movie really works. But when they try to throw in, there's like this subplot involving like a, his sister who is, you know, she has like abusive boyfriends and stuff. It's like, that's where it gets a little bit melodramatic for me, but it's certainly not as uh, I, I was kind of dreading watching it, and you know, just because it it has been like suggested to me so many times, but yeah, but I actually found like it's not that bad, you know, for about three fourths of it. Gotcha. And the ending just kind of sputtered out a little bit for me, but yeah, a mild recommendation. I will All say. right, I have not seen that one, but um, it's. Definitely one like I've almost clicked, clicked play on a couple of different times because I was like the time travel was really pulling me in. But I think it was the um, poster that's usually used for it just gave me like 
Rachel McAdams, like in the rain with her romantic opposite. I was like, I'm getting notebook vibes. I'm not in the mood. I don't think I'm oh. going to do this one kind of thing. Oh, yeah. But yeah. she's a great actress. I adore her. She's been in like everything from like great comedies to great dramas to time travel movies. So like she's, she's operating in a genre that I clearly enjoy. So um, I got to give this one a watch. Yeah. And it, it is available to stream if you have the stars network currently. Ah, okay. So I don't, but I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'll just I get it from my library. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so our official watch challenge recommendations for time travel films are run Lola run from 1998 and about time from 2013. Many thanks to you, Sarah, for that topic. Aaron, what challenge do we have in front of us for next time? So for next time, um, you know, we're looking at uh, going towards the end of September here. We're going to allow a little bit of a Halloween creep uh, into our end of September episode. We are going to start off with zombie films, which was a submitted topic from Natalie J. So I'm looking forward to diving into that. That's a subgenre of horror that I feel like I haven't seen a ton of. So I'm looking forward to trying to, to dive in and, and seeing what we can get in the zombie film subgenre there but as always we're always taking uh listener suggestions so anything you want to send our way genres topics things you'd like us to dive in and cover just follow the links we've got here in the uh the show notes on whatever device you are listening to this on until next time folks rate and review the show wherever you find it and we'll see you on the next challenge